Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Today, we are talking to Mayor Vi Lyles of the city of Charlotte, and our topic is on creating a resilient future for Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. So can you tell our listeners about your background and what led you to run for the mayor of Charlotte? Well, um, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I was in the first integrating class for public schools in Mm -hmm. Columbia. Um, And believe me, that was many years after the Supreme Court had said Brown versus education. It was many, many years. And I think that what made it possible for me to be who I am is my family. Um, I grew up during the segregation era, um, but my family was very strong. And my mom and dad, and I have five brothers, they really made sure that we um, had faith and put family first. Faith and family were really key to my growing up. And I think that that background instilled in me a, a, a requirement to make things better for other people, the next generation, not just mine, but even beyond my family experience. When the world got bigger and my view got bigger, then I was able to be prepared to address that. And I think that my background, um, my parents gave me a great education and a great foundation, and that's everything. So two interesting things. I went to school for my master's degree in Columbia from USC. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom also grew up when they were integrating schools. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stories and honestly traumatic experiences that she has from being a daughter of nine in Louisville, Kentucky. And I believe that it's those stories that I've learned as a child that has shaped the things that I care about, why I'm so passionate about it, um, and our commitment and focus to our community. Your mom and I must be sisters <laughs> because that is what makes the difference. You know, when I went to my high school, had a prom, it was at a country club that was segregated. So I never went to prom. And I'm okay with that. I mean, some days I think I'm going to have a prom myself. But I, I think that you, if you understand what, it's, what the history says, that you can do something about that history, mm-hmm. that's what makes it possible for you and I to sit at this table today. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've had other mayors from other cities uh, in Fresno, California, uh, Waco, Texas, and uh, you're the best and the third mayor that has been able to grace and visit our podcast. Thank you for that compliment. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm not going to ever call Fresno and say, hey, let me tell you, mayor, you're not the best anymore. <laughs> um, so our podcast focuses on business resilience, but a large part of that is taking care of, of people whether it's employees, our vendors, or anyone that we want to build relationships with. And so our question for you is, why is it important for you to invest in the people of Charlotte through your work as mayor? I think um, when you start thinking about coming out of this pandemic 
and what's going on in the world today from all the way from Ukraine to the projections for um, inflation and the recession possibilities. Um, our job is to make sure that people have opportunity in this community. And, you know, it's kind of one of those very difficult periods of time because we were doing so well at addressing historical um, problems with, that prevented people from success and, and helping um, and planning for a city that would be more equitable in our economic opportunities. And then we have this downturn that's worldwide coming and we're not quite sure what's going to happen. It is a challenge for each of us to begin to plan and think. We don't want to stop addressing the difficulties that we had in, you know, inequity. But we also have to recognize that globally, things are changing. Mm -hmm. That is one of the toughest jobs. So the city of Charlotte has focused on this by saying, we will have a workforce development plan. We will make sure that people have opportunities for training. I'm proud of the new medical school that's going to be completed in two years. They're going to create 10,000 jobs. 5,000 of those jobs will not require a college degree. So what does that mean? We have to begin to think now about how Central Piedmont Community College can create those opportunities that match the job requirements of the medical school. And if we have this time now, we can't stop. We have to continue. No matter what's going on in the world, we have to focus on talent and and the jobs that people can have as a result of their training and the jobs that, that to match them with the jobs we're going to have in our city. Absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, um, this year the mayor appointed me to be the chair of Charlotte's International Cabinet, and it's a boarding commission comprised of, I think, of 27 mm -hmm. other ones um, that support the city of Charlotte. And, and through that experience, I've learned a lot more about um, economic development, uh, workforce, jobs, um, and all of the opportunities, the challenges, the things that sit on the table for a city to think about, consider uh, for the community. Um, but going back to people, one thing that I have loved about living here in Charlotte is, and I think Charlotte has this above any other city, and I'm happy to argue that point down with anybody, <laughs> but Charlotte's accessible. This is a very accessible city. Coming from Atlanta, coming from Virginia, working in other countries, you can get to the table to meet with the right people in Charlotte. And the reason why that's so important is in order for the city to understand what the community needs, the city has to be accessible. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in seven and a half, eight years that I've been in Charlotte, it's it's accessible. We can get to the right people. We can have the conversations. We can share what we might be experiencing and it may take time and process, right, for things to happen, but at least the space is created for us to be able to get there. This year, I appointed a um, triple E committee, and it was about environment. It was about um, equity. But most important, it was about engagement because we have to have the way to get that feedback. And in this technology-filled world, there's no reason not to. Yeah. I mean, you can go online and comment on how the UDO is working, or you can come down to a meeting and actually express it before in public and have it on YouTube and on the city's website. All of these things are possibilities, but we need to make sure that we um, ask people the questions about what is our future going to be, and they participate in engagement, I'm looking forward to the Triple E committee coming back with an engagement plan that broadens our opportunities. 
because not everyone can write that email or not everyone has a computer to write the email or design a letter. We've got to make sure, you know, someone told me one time, just put a a suggestion jar by the door and say, we'll take anything and we'll respond to it. I know that that's not the answer for a city of 900,000 people, but I also know the concept of where is our suggestion jar and how do we make it easy to fill it up is something that we've got to do. Absolutely. So under your leadership, over 27,000 new jobs have been created in Charlotte, and I'm pretty sure it's in counting. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us more about the initiatives and growth that have contributed to, to that? You know, I'd like to take credit for this, but I'm going to be very candid and say that we've got a great economic development team. We've got a council that really cares about what kind of jobs we are recruiting and how do we fulfill those jobs. So it's not just getting new businesses here, it's getting the right businesses here. And we have a spectrum of that. We can recruit a Honeywell headquarters Mm -hmm. company because those jobs have multipliers. It's like, you know that when you hire that one person that you're going to um, have someone that's going to have to support that person, that there's going to be other opportunities for restaurants and hospitality industry to create catering companies. All of that happens. But we also want to support smaller businesses. Think about Arrival. They opened something on Billy Graham Parkway right at West Boulevard. They hired people from the West Boulevard community as they are developing um, electric buses Mm. for Amazon deliveries. And then they're going to do batteries. So we're looking for jobs at every level. But I'm most proud of our nonprofit organizations like Goodwill and the Urban League. The Urban League just finished an HVAC repair program. The cohort was all women. They all graduated, and they're all making seventeen fifty an hour now. Awesome! I dropped the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, last November, uh, the mayor's racial equality initiative was announced mm-hmm. and pledged to invest two hundred and fifty million dollars into addressing inequality and removing barriers for communities of color in Charlotte. And so our question is, what are the primary areas of that initiative that you put forth? That is a great question because I I think the Mayor's Racial Equity Initiative is one of the most important investments that we're making. But it does come with constraints because even at $250 million, that is not enough to address equity. We've got to put equity in our DNA and every thought that we have. So we're working on that. We're working on an equity framework to do that. But the Mayor's Racial Equity Program, I think, number one for this, your audience perhaps, is that we're investing in the corridors of opportunity that the city has identified. What is a corridor of opportunity? It's where people that have supported the success of the city have not had a chance to participate in that success. So it's in around Beatty's Ford Road. It's around Sugar Creek and I-85. It's about um, Albemarle Road. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to keep the character and the culture of those communities, but infuse money and opportunity 
in small businesses along those routes. We're not trying to change it. We don't want gentrification. We want we don't want people to come in and do the wrong thing. We want the people that are there to plan what needs to be done and provide them access to capital. The mayor's racial equity fund is allocating money with access to capital, both grants as well as loans. The second priority that we're doing is closing the digital divide. With the private sector funding providing the hardware, you know, every, you can't apply for a job unless you have an internet connection and a computer to use. So the private sector has stepped up in providing us the computers the um, Digital Divide Institute at Queen's University is going to figure out how to provide low-cost internet services to make up for that time we lost during the pandemic when kids were on buses or they weren't even trying mm. to get on the internet because they didn't have the ability to do it in places like we had. So the, that's the other thing, that investing you know, $10 million in Digital Divide closure the next thing is strengthening our own HBCU. Johnson C. Smith University is transformative. And then that transformation, we are really trying to address what is the curriculum and what is the workforce that Johnson C. Smith can do. So the private sector is going to make it possible for students at Johnson C. Smith to have internships in the summer. But when they graduate, they're going to say those internships have become jobs. The worst thing that we can do is have people go to training and college, and then they come out and they have an expectation that they're going to have quality of life, whatever job they choose, and they have no ability to get there. So we need to stop thinking about job applications and talk about job training that immediately results in an opportunity, and that's it. And then the final thing that the equity initiative is going to do is track our progress. Mm. And we're specifically talking about uh, tracking our progress among members of what most people would call a chamber, our, our regional alliance, to say, if you're a member of our alliance, would you please tell us what you're doing to support African-American and other people of color in their progress through your industry, whatever it might be. Can you have the ability to make sure that they're included? Because, you know, our cultures are different. Yep. And that means everybody has to um, really think about how do we do something well, but also getting you in the door, but getting you to the place that you have a mentor, you have a board that's supporting you. That's a whole different thing. It, yeah. it, it's an investment. And fortunately, because of COVID, Companies are ready to make that investment yes. because talent is the most valuable asset any business can have. And that includes from government, from the smallest business to the very largest. Yep. Well, and talent's also demanding it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this, this next generation is, it's, 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 it's not an, uh, they're not asking. <laughs> they are telling. You know, I, I, I get that. I, I have I have generational uh, children like that, and 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 it's and it's a fair premise. I mean, why would you choose to um, give up your ability to make change and grow something? Who knows what you're going to invent? Who knows what talent you have to promote the bottom line? And you don't have to do it sitting at a desk all the time anymore. And so I would hope that the one contribution that our city would make would be to continue to create the environment where people your age choose to live. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asphalus Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. 
make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.